of Soccer Nation, the premier podcast for fans of NCAA women's collegiate soccer with Old Miss women's head coach Matt Mock and Rice women's head coach Brian Lee. You can download this podcast from all your favorite podcast providers. If you like what you hear, leave a five-star review and tell a friend. And now, Coach Mock and Coach Lee. Okay, here we are, College Soccer Nation. I am Matt Mock. Head coach of the Ole Miss Rebels, I am joined with the big deal, Brian Lee from the Rice Owls. We are back at you. It's been a couple of weeks, Brian. How are you doing, my friend? I'm doing fantastic, but the people have asked for another pod, haven't they? <laughs> they have. The outcry is out. <laughs> it is. Um, uh, so just to keep everybody up to speed, we're trying to knock them out. But again, we're busy trying to line up guests has been difficult. Um and I think that there's just not a lot of soccer stuff going on from a college standpoint this time of year. Everybody's in, you know, deep into spring or maybe finishing up spring. Um, you know, there's plenty of games, but you don't necessarily know who's playing who or where or what. So we don't have a ton and we don't want to be boring. So we're going to get together when we have time to in some topics to discuss. And I think we have a lot of good topics to discuss today. Um, we do have Brian Penske from the University of Tennessee, fresh off a brand new contract. Um, they'll keep him there in Vol country for a while, uh, and had a great year. Obviously we will interview him. Um, the mayor will be along here shortly with, uh, with Robbie church will join us again in his normal spot. And our power five this week is leisure activities, right? It's getting to be spring. Everybody's happy. We thought Brian, you and I would, would compare what we consider, leisure activities so that should be fun i'm sure they're very aligned matt oh i'm sure i'm sure i'm sure i'm sure oh all right um questions we have a couple questions oh first before we get to questions pretty exciting um to announce we have just passed we're actually very close to twenty-one thousand downloads for college soccer nation so we certainly appreciate it we really appreciate you guys um you know taking the time to listen to us and download it we love it um, so thank you very much for that. So Brian, it hasn't slowed up very much since uh, the departure of that former person that was on here with us that we can't even, can we even say his name? Can we even I say? Don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't remember who it was. <laughs> good point. Good. Very good point. Um, all right. So first question, um, I'm going to ask you this question, Brian, here you go. It's from Megan from Sugarland, Texas. Oh, asked nice. watching the NCAA women's basketball. It's awesome how they have neutral sites for Sweet 16 and Elite Eight, despite clear UConn advantage in Bridgeport, which has been there, I think, forever, right? Could you see the NCAA soccer doing that? Well, we're very hopeful we're going to do it for the, an expanded college cup and to get to a, a eight-team college cup where we go Elite Eight on out. But I actually kind of love the idea when, when who was that, Megan? Megan, yes. Megan, Megan brought that up. That's... Uh, Pretty good stuff. Because I do think, imagine if we had a Sweet 16 that was always in Cary, a Sweet 16 that was always in Portland, a yeah. Sweet 16 somewhere in the Northeast, and maybe like a Chicago in the middle of the country. I, th I think you'd really have something. Yeah, I mean, I mean, obviously, this is all driven by television, right? Let's keep that in mind. The, they pay the bills. And they'll, you know, whatever they want to have done, the NCAA is going to do as a good partner, obviously. Um, that Bridgewater with UConn, though, for years and years, that's that's pretty pretty handy. It's pretty handy. But what a game! Did you watch in that game last night with NC State? I, I watched the whole game. It was fantastic. Holy! I mean, was that not rep very similar to 
Duke, Kentucky the years ago with the Christian Leitner. I mean, oh my God, it's crazy. Well, the Paige Buckers, that's as hot as I've ever seen a, a college yeah. basketball player, yeah. met, male or female, down the stretch. The overtime where she had like eight in a row. Yeah. One point. That's, 15 points in overtime. When was the last time you heard that? 15 points in overtime. <laughs> yeah. Unbelievable. Well, and you have yeah. to feel for NC State. Yeah. Great season. And to draw Connecticut as a two when Paige missed most of the season. So yeah. reason they're a two seed. That's just brutal. Yeah, no question. But she's dynamite. I mean, it's she's the next to me really big time player. Oh, big time. Okay. Well, this is college soccer nation, so we have to shift back to the uh, college soccer. Bar. So, are, are we ready? Are we ready to bring him in? Sure, let's do All it. Right. Here's the, Here's the theme song. Robbie Church, welcome back to College Soccer Nation and our weekly time we get to spend with you. We feel so honored to have you join us again today. How are you, Coach Church? <laughs> I'm good, boys. I'm good. Thank you very much. And let me chime in too on that NC State Connecticut game because I did. I, I only called it an overtime, and mm -hmm. just the overtime parts were unbelievable. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. The quality of play, the 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 clutch shots, the one the girl hit, the NC State girl hit in the corner. Oh uh, yeah, you know it just and and again as you said, NC State had a fantastic year. Number one seed, win the ACC regular season, win the ACC. Uh, tournament championship and guess what ladies you're getting sent to Bridgewater <laughs> Connecticut and who has who's the number two team in your bracket UConn I yeah mean, unfortunately yeah. that's just uh really really poor you know for for that for the seating but, but we all understand why it's all about money it's all about getting people in the seats and obviously yeah. UConn does a fantastic job in that it's awesome what about 14 straight final fours for yeah. Gino now, is it, was it, did we say that last time he's won 11, 11, his last 11 finals he's won, or he's won all 11, right? Yeah, Every he's never finals lost he's been in, he never he lost, lost the finals. He has that's never crazy. lost. That's incredible. That's crazy. I mean, those are, those are ants in numbers. Yeah, they, they are. Numbers. Absolutely. I mean, we, we are getting in, you know, just rarefied air with, with Gino and Anson. Those are, yeah. those are numbers that are incredible. Amazing. Okay. Churchy, first question for you. And this is a group discussion. I think it's interesting topic uh, Brian actually came up with. I think it's interesting. Is how do your how do you choose captains? How do we choose? This oh is God. for everybody. Yeah, yeah. Actually, we just had a staff meeting yesterday trying to decide what we want to do with with our captains because you know with our uh, we had a, a lot of our captains graduate, leave, got drafted in, in the league. So we let our upperclassmen had a leadership committee for the whole springtime of uh, our two graduate players that are coming back our six, our six um, senior rising seniors with it too. So it was, it was a, a group of eight, which is too big, too big. So, you know, we, we've done everything. We've had the kids choose. We've had, you know, the, the ones that wanted to be captains, we had them speak and why they wanted to be captains and mm -hmm. what they, could they bring to the, what could they bring to the table right there? We've had coaches over the years appoint captains. If we feel like, you know, it's, it's appropriate for, for that, for that group, uh, we've gone the leadership committees lately, and this is the direction we've kind of turned into. We've gone to a bigger leadership committee, somewhere between five and six people, and then out of that, vote for captains coming out of that. And basically, they will be game day captains. You know, there's the leadership group will run the team and have the hands on. You know, what do we do on the road? What what's what's our schedule? What do we want to eat? All those type of things that that they go through and, you know, will bring problems to us if, if they're there, but the, and then we have captains coming out of that. So I like the idea of a bigger group kind of governing your, your team, 
Um, I, that's something that we've settled in the last couple of years. And so we like that, but then, you know, obviously with, for captains on game day, kind of a smaller group there. So do you, do you say who the captain is on the game day or do they, they pick? They, a uh, team chooses, team chooses mm-hmm. out of our leadership group. Um, they, they, game they, by game. Or like no, for the season. No, for the season. They'll for the season, seven. I got you. They'll, okay. They'll so you so you have a leadership group and then the team votes on the leadership group who they want the captains to be. Who the captains will be. Yeah. 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 Okay. Good. What yeah. about you, Brian? We we haven't named captains per se for probably five years, maybe mm-hmm. since 2017 or 18. So we operate with a leadership committee uh, that we lean on. And then we we also operate with a senior group. All the seniors have their own separate meeting outside the leadership group and um, a long time ago, one of our sports sites suggested it with the modern game and I've really liked it or with modern kids. So we've really liked it. And then in terms of like the coin toss or at the game or the rotating seniors through the coin toss, whoever wants to go do it on the day, or we've even had years, we had a senior one time who never played a minute in a game who did the coin toss every game for us. Just a great kid, worked really hard, kind of gave her a feel good about it and something we thought she deserved. But it's certainly an interesting dynamic that's changed a lot over the last 20 years. What do the Rebs do? Everybody wants to know that. <laughs> uh, the Rebs are a little bit of a combination of both those, I think. Like we, uh, we, I'm with you, Robbie. We've tried everything. We've done it differently. I think I really do think it depends on the team and what does your upper class look like from a leadership standpoint, and you know what do they need and that kind of stuff. But we're it's funny we're in that you know both of our captains um, um, left last year, graduated. And um, and now we're kind of stuck in that spot of of who is we have a leadership group I'm pretty comfortable with and 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 picking it out of leadership group is an interesting thought for sure. Um, but we do let the you know what I say to everybody is everybody gets an equal vote. So the players all vote the staff all votes the strength coach the trainer anybody that's involved in our program votes and then I pick them. And I think. Um, I think that we look at it from that standpoint of what's important, but I mean, I've never not gone kind of with the majority for the most part. Um, and, and I think we always struggle with, I, we had it one time where we had one captain was great. She did a fantastic job. We had one year we had one captain and we had to add one because she wasn't, wasn't good enough. And, and so one, two, three, it's, it's really a tricky thing, but I think both, all teams are so individual that it depends on what that team needs on that year is, is my thought. So. I got a, I got an interesting one for you to quiz you, you guys on. What about, we've all read the book, like the captain's class, probably mm-hmm. fantastic book. And then, so in college sports or in college soccer, then all of a sudden it'll pop up online and someone will be releasing, here are our captains for 2022 or whatever. Do you, for me, the best captains we've ever had would all be mortified to be staring at their Twitter, Instagram, and having to look at their picture that says, oh, look at me, look at me, I'm the captain. Yeah, yeah. So what, what's your thoughts on that? So you're, you're saying that the um, because of the captain's class, I think we, you saw that typically it wasn't necessarily the, the, the highest score, leading score, best player, that kind of stuff. It was someone that was – you know, um, obviously Robbie has a great one and Carla Overbeck, right? At Duke or, or with the U.S. national team. People like that, that are certainly, I don't call them behind the scenes, but are not front and center. They're not, you know, LeBron James or Michael Jordan, right? Yeah. They're the, 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 you know, players in behind. So yeah, Tim think, Duncan. Tim oh, Duncan. It is an elite player. It's someone who 
for me, the best captains ever are the ones who don't want the credit and don't want the attention and don't yeah. want to publicly be out in front, but they really want to win. Yeah. yeah. They want to but, serve. They want to serve their team. That's, you know, you want, mm -hmm. you want somebody that wants to serve their team. You want somebody that wants to be selfless and, and be able to help, help their team. I know we had a girl probably four or five years ago who didn't play at all. And she was like, okay, if I'm not playing, I'm going to lead you guys and you guys are going to play hard. And she mm -hmm. would get, you know, she would, she no problem with getting in their face and like, you're not playing hard enough. You're not training hard enough. You're not playing hard enough. You know, that doesn't get us where we want to go. And uh, I, I, I agree hundred percent. I think some if you look over the years, some of our best captains have been ones that have not been on the field, but they also a great example for your other players who are not on the field too. You know, and, you know, obviously everybody wants to be on the field and that's where you, that's where, you know, problems start when, when the kids aren't, but if you've got somebody, it's such a leader, you know, who, who is just selfless and, and will serve the team and, you know, just being a great mentor to those players and say, Hey, here's how we do it. Here's how it gets done, done here. I think, uh, I think it's a fantastic thing. That type of person has to be somewhere within your group. You know, yeah. that has, they, they have to be somewhere within your, your leadership group or somewhere within being your particular captain. Yeah, no, the, the, the idea that once you have it set the way that you want it, right? You've been there for Duke forever. Now I've been here at almost, you know, 12 years. You got to have the players that will continue to move that forward. This is how we do it, right? And the summer when they all come in, this is how you're going to act. This is the way you're going to do things, right? And, yeah. and then it transfers into preseason and on into the season. It's really, really important. You have to have that or it falls apart. It falls sure. apart. Well, right, let's keep moving, Brian. That was a good one. But we got, unless you got one more, you look like you want to say something. Nope. Okay. All right. All right. Portal issues. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to bring this up. So people go on the portal. We call coaches, some friends, some not. And we ask them about the players, right? And some coaches are extremely honest and tell you what's going on with the player, why they want to leave, what kind of player they are, what kind of whatever. Um, some players, I'm going to give an example. Um, don't are some coaches, sorry, some coaches maybe don't aren't completely truthful and don't tell you everything you need to know. For example, I have a player from Duke, right? <laughs> She's been way, way, way better than Robbie ever said she was going to be. <laughs> no, um, but no, no, and seriously, so Brian, you and I talked about this, right? So, how do we police this? With listen, we understand the players on the portal, so you've kind of you know, you, you want to help them, but you definitely don't want to give wrong information, right? Is that what we're talking about? Sure. I think so. I mean, it's super interesting to me with, we all complain about the club coaches who aren't honest about the players, mm -hmm. right? Who are just trying to sell you a player so that the club can say they had a kid go to Ole Miss, Duke, or Rice. And then the kid gets on campus, you're like, oh my goodness, this, this kid's nothing like that guy said she was, or girl said she was. But then on the portal... I feel like we're doing the exact same thing at mm -hmm. times, or at least I'm getting the exact same thing. And not always, obviously, if I have a relationship with someone, I feel really good about the feedback, but I've run into a couple where I'll talk to the coach first and then I'll talk to the kid and the kid is spinning a total different um, line about what happened, but it sure sounds like the more straightforward, blunt, this is what happened. It didn't work out there for this reason. Um, but, it, and I feel like I'm getting a sales job from some of the coaches because mm. they want the kid gone, right? They're trying yeah. to get, 
Maybe it's not, the kid can still go back and keep their scholarship. Every school is different about that stuff. Hmm. Interesting. What do you think, Robbie? Yeah, I don't think, you know, I'm not a great one to really ask this question because I'm not, we're not on the portal that much. Now we've been on the, we we brought a couple of kids in last year. One worked out great. One didn't work out great. You know, it's, it's, it's uh, nobody's fault. It just, it just happens. Sometimes it's not a good match. Sometimes you get in there and it's not a good match. Um, What I don't like about the portal is there's no relationship with the kids. Before they come in, uh, and and that's really really big for us is that we build that relationship in the recruiting process. We know their families, we know their siblings, we know everything ab- about them during that recruiting process. We we stay with them a lot as they, as they come in for you know the last couple of years. You know, even you know before the rules were in, even before that, you know this group coming in. We recruited before the rule changes, and so we've been with them three years. So we, we have an unbelievable relationship with them. We've, you know, we, we've both got some credit with each other, and then all of a sudden you bring in a, another player who just and you open your program up to that player, and then maybe they don't do things the same way. And you know, I, I think it's tough, but I agree with Brian. I think you know a lot of people want to pass on their problems, and they're not. And if they see an opportunity, they can pass on their problems. You know, they may not be truthful. They may they may not be upfront. Uh, up front with you um you know we have a girl coming in this year and uh but again she has a sister on the team so we feel very very comfortable mm. with that i think you know for us to move on forward we have to feel comfortable with the person we almost have to know the person beforehand is it in an earlier recruiting battle that maybe we lost and maybe a second time around they want to they want to come back or do they have a do they have you know a relative or sisters on the team and stuff too but you know i i think it's uh, so we don't call out that many coaches but i definitely see coaches thinking ah here's an opportunity i have a problem i have a problem i'll pass this problem on to somebody else which is yeah is, is disappointing so we we've done you know pretty significant amount of work in the transfer portal right or transfers over the years have come in and mm-hmm. and done a good job for us and i do think that of of the ones that have worked out have been from people that i know have a relationship with and and they understand our program I think that's the problem with the club coaches, Brian. A lot of times is they don't watch the game. So they were, <coughs> excuse me, they really don't know the difference between Rice and Ole Miss or Duke or whatever. They don't yep. know the different levels. So they're just guessing that, yeah, this kid could help when they don't really know because they don't watch the games. Yeah. With the college guys, they should know, right? You should know if this kid can play for you or not play for you. And I think of the players we've gotten, it's it's made sense and the, and the coaches have been really truthful. But there's certainly that issue of, can you get, can I get rid of this problem? You can take her, you know? So since how about spin it back to NCAA basketball tournament on the men's side, the point guard from Miami was on his fifth school. (laughs) Fifth. The the leading score for New Mexico, I don't know, New Mexico state upset Mm -hmm. in the first round guy was on his fourth school. Wow. Talk about not building relationships. Auburn's oh. this entire starting lineup were transfers. Yeah. Yeah. And you're number one in the country. It's crazy. I mean, I'm I'm at the school where, you know, the head football coach is, you know, calling it portaling. Right. He's going on the portal <laughs> and you know, he he he's making a he's making a bit of a mockery, but what he's doing, it makes sense for him, right? He's trying to get guys off the portal. It's working, he's getting some good guys. It's it's all how you look at it and what's important and how how easy or hard it is to recruit the normal five stars at your school, right? And yeah. you may have to, they may need a new change. But anyway, right, let's keep moving. Um, just a couple more topics for you, Churchy. Um, we want to get into the Challenge Cup a little bit, NWSL, but before that, boy, some major injuries this week around the league, right? Marta 
is out now with surgery. Tierra Davidson, you know, probably the best center back in the in the entire um, you know pro league. The NWL is out with a, with an injury for the season, and now Lynn Williams is out for the season. So those are three major major players out season season ending injuries. Really disappointing. Um, but the Challenge Cup is rolling. All right, I think it's. Um, yeah, they're playing a lot of games in a short amount of time, so with, with not a lot of subs. So I think that's making it difficult. But what do you think so far of what you've seen in the Challenge Cup, Brian? Well, yeah, for me, number one is what the hell is it? Yeah. It's a preseason cup that arguably is the second biggest thing you can win in the NWSL. <laughs> is that right? I mean, when the Dash won it, it was a big deal. It was, yeah. You know, I feel like, you know, I know what the FA Cup is. I know what the EPL Championship is. I know what the Champions League is. It's like the Milk Cup, Caribou Cup, the thing that's always League Cup, that's always changing yeah. its name, and nobody yeah. really cares when they pay their yeah. second except it's during preseason. Yeah. And they're limited because they're trying to make it real. They're on the five subs. Imagine if your college team played, they're about to play three games in eight days with a five substitution limit and no re-entry. Of course, you'd have all these major injuries. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. crazy. It's crazy. It is. What's your thoughts, you know, Churchy? Yeah, I, you know, we have the courage in our backyard. And obviously, over the years, we have played them. And this year, they had such a short window their preseason. They could only get – I think they had three teams scheduled. Unfortunately, I know we had to pull out. I think Clemson had to pull out. So they got very little play leading up to, the, to this cup. Um, and, I, and I know that is a big factor while, while the, the injuries have come. Those are just major injuries. Just think about the little injuries that have come too. The muscle, sure. the muscle pulls, the strains, the strains that come on those things. But, um, you know, I agree with Brian. You know, last year they had the Challenge Cup and it was in the middle of the year. Now they have the Challenge Cup. It's in preseason. So where does this thing fit in? I think yeah. if, you, if you, you know, take a, a, a vote for the players and coaches, they don't want any part of this. I know the coaches, they don't, it's yeah. too early. It's they preseason hasn't been extended let's work ourselves in get ourselves ready for the regular season season but but this was kind of forced on them by the owners and i think they i think we're seeing the you know the the really really bad injuries that are affecting some of the top players in the league and the league doesn't need to lose its top players it needs no. those players all year long to marketing to marketing those players so hopefully this is maybe the last year of the uh, challenge cup where it is <laughs> or maybe last year the Challenge Cup altogether, but uh, I agree. What the hell? What what is this? With you know six games being played, playing over the course of time, and you know the, in a lot of these cities the weather's not very good. You know they're not ready to play. People the, the tenants, as you saw, uh, you know they they haven't been great because no. nobody wants to go out and freeze themselves. To you know at, at this stage in a lot of these places too. So. Yeah, I was watching the Chicago game the other night. Was it what Friday night, who, who Wednesday, whatever it was? Forty degrees. Them? Yeah, oh my God. 40, 40, sorry, 40 mile an hour wind, wind and like 20 degrees. It looked awful. Oh. It just looked awful for everybody. I couldn't, I mean, I was tipping my cap to the fans. How they could be out there for that is there's no way I would have been sitting out there watching that. Yeah, they kept handing so. past the coach and he looked super grumpy. He but did yeah, look grumpy. I, I yeah, that coach is there. Even on like a sunny grumpy. day, he looks pretty grumpy. So I didn't think he was the cold. All right, last thing, Churchy, we'll, we'll let you go. Um, we got some college jobs filled, right? So yeah. first, let's yeah. uh, congratulate yeah. Nicole Nelson taking over at SMU back in the saddle. Um, yeah. Excited for her, and and obviously she's got a great 
history and, and uh, you know, worked with Chris there for a number of years at Texas and then also at SMU and was a head coach at OU and head coach at SFA. So good to see her back into the Dallas, Dallas world. So happy for her. Um, what else we got? Uh, Southern Illinois, right? Craig Roberts. No, sorry. Craig Roberts is headed to Grambling, right? Yep. No, he took the Southern Illinois job from Grambling. Right. Uh, oh, she took. Oh, he took the. Yeah, right, right. Sorry. Uh, Mark Foster from Arkansas Little Rock went to UTRGV. Um, he's a very good coach. I think he'll do very well. Um, we played them a couple of times at Little Rock. I think we're actually playing him this year. We, he'll do a good job there. Um, Mike O'Neill, right, from Saginaw is headed to Northern Illinois. Gary Higgins from Lenore Ryan is going to ECU. I think he'll do a good Nathan job Nathan Gillespie is assistant coach at Southeast Louisiana. He got the head coaching job there. So congratulations to those guys. And now we have open Grambling, Charlotte, which is a big job, right, in your backyard, Churchy. That's a good job, right? It's a great job. It's a great job. Started that program and was there five years. And it really – I think if you – you know, it's been really interesting to look at the whole big picture. There's, you know, been some really good jobs. There's some mid-level jobs. Vision two jobs. And I think the profile of people that's been hired has been really interested. You know, what, what I have been impressed with, there's been a number of people like, like Gary at it's going to East Carolina that got promoted from division two. They did mm -hmm. a really, really good job in division two. So they've been, you know, that going to East Carolina is a really good job. Great, great playing facilities. We played there in the NCAA tournament. We actually opened our season up to that. So you mm -hmm. love to see that happen. You love to see people that have worked hard, done well at one level, that being promoted. You also love to see people that have done so well at their program. They've probably taken that program to as high as it can go. Now they've been, they're being promoted by being pushed to a, a, a different program. A program and then there's you know then there's some younger profiles that that's happened out there too and and they'll be interesting to follow those profiles to see how how that works out for for a number of people but um i think it's been a nice little mixture of of, of hires in this in this cycle but it's been some some big jobs some big jobs yeah absolutely you really have and, and i think it seems to me that this last this year has had more openings. And I don't know if people coming out of COVID, if things, people are ready to, for a change to get out of this, but it seems like there've been a lot more. And, you know, like we say, you know, we're, we're now starting to turn the calendar on April and there's still eight to 10 jobs that are available. Yeah. Uh, that's going to be, that's going to be hard. And, and then that will obviously have the domino effect as we. Well, as we I think, do. I think Brian, you know, if some of these old geezers would retire, you know, they'd be opening up some other really good jobs. I mean, there's there's some in that that kind of Raleigh, North Carolina area. I mean, there's some old guys there coaching at good jobs that would really open some stuff up. Oh, <laughs> I had to throw it in there, Robbie. Uh, that the, I mean, that the I'm talking about Anson. Of course, only talking about Anson. Of course, I, I knew exactly who you were talk, <laughs> yeah. who talking about. Anson, Anson the guy that doesn't know my name still. All right, so <laughs> the eight openings, Grambling, Charlotte, San Jose State, LIU, Sam Houston, Holy Cross, and Arkansas Little Rock now opening. So well, maybe the next time we go around, we'll get that finished up. Um, any thoughts, uh, Churchy? We got Brian Penske coming on. Anything you want to mention about him? <laughs> what, a, what a great guy. What a, I mean, again, I really look forward to hearing Brian's journey because I think he's got a great journey. I think he's, you know, it's it's one, it's been over both genders on the men's side and the women's side with it too, but it's some really power five schools, done a great, great job wherever he's wherever he's been. Uh, it's always interesting to uh, to coach against uh, on the, <laughs> the sidelines with it. So he's always fun. It's entertaining. It's entertaining on that sense. But, uh, 
but yeah, no, Brian's just a, a class guy and a class coach. And I think you guys will, will really enjoy his thing though. The only thing I have to say about Brian, whoo, when it t- comes to scheduling, he's a tough man to schedule with. <laughs> hey, I'm glad SEC, SEC schedules it for me. Hey, so I don't worry about but it. we got it done. I broke him down. Oh, there you go. Nice work. And I broke him down. But we Love got it. it done. Love <laughs> it. All right. Anything else for Churchy? Uh, Brian? Not for me. Good to see you, Churchy. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Right. Enjoy. Y'all have fun with Brian. All right, Robbie. Thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. We'll talk to you. Well, back, well again, we'll talk to you in our next podcast, whenever that is. Maybe. Uh, <laughs> Maybe next week, maybe a uh, week after. Again, we're going to base it on when we have some good information to talk. But appreciate Just your time today. We'll talk to you soon, bud. See you. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Okay, Brian. Really excited to bring in Brian Penske, uh, the head coach of the University of Tennessee Volunteers. Had a fantastic season this last season, and uh, we've efforted to get him on the podcast here and finally found a, a time to get him in. So, Brian, welcome to College Soccer Nation. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you uh, having me on. Yeah. All right. I'm going to hit you with the first question right out the bat. So what we always like to do with all of our guests is give us your path, right, from from when you kind of started coaching or, or even playing, whatever, into now current day uh, University of Tennessee head coach. All right. Well, uh, I um, was um, a D3 guy, played at uh, – Emory University in Atlanta, um, grew up in Maryland, played at Emory, and then uh, went back home after uh, college and actually went back to my high school. And uh, um, believe it or not, was an, as it was an English teacher and an economics teacher, um, wow. high, school, high school aged um, for about six years, um, and also coaching club, coaching high school, coaching ODP. And you know, when you're a teacher um, and a coach, really 80% of your job is teaching, you know, whether it's preparing for the classes and grading and it's a lot, you know, and so I continue to have um, a lot of appreciation and, and affection for, for teachers out there. Um, they, they have big jobs, underappreciated jobs. And uh, um, so as I got four five, six years into that, I knew that I didn't want to do this forever, and I really want to coach. And uh, could could I be fortunate enough to find a way to get a full time gig? And uh, fortunate enough, um, I got my first job um, at George Washington University. Actually, 1998. Um, I got married on August 1st, 1998. Went on a honeymoon and got back on August 10th and started my new life. August 11th at GW as a full-time assistant coach and uh that first gig paid me all of seventeen thousand and five hundred dollars um and i was the the laundry guy i got an extra twenty five hundred bucks a year as the laundry boy for both the men's and women's teams at gw um and you know the 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 thought there was you know i just just you just got to do what you got to do um to to kind of make your way and and find your way in the business. And I was there for three years. And then I went up, uh, up the road to Loyola um, in Baltimore and worked with Joe Malia, who uh, continues to be a, a very good friend of mine. I was his assistant for a year. And then, and then I kind of got my, my first of, I guess, probably two big breaks. Um, Sasha uh, Sarosky called me um, when I, I have twins who are now 20 years old, uh, but my twins were two months old at the time. And uh, 
Sash called me and asked me if I wanted to come and be his assistant. And uh, really, to be honest, I didn't know um, because, you know, you guys are fathers, you know, you know, especially when you're kids, you have newborns, you, you're in deep. And so on a professional level, I really, I really wanted to do it, right? It was a no brainer. But on a personal level, my wife and I had gone through some stuff. My, my, my kids are, my twins are IVF kids. Um, so um, took us a couple of years to have kids and finally had them. And now I knew that, you know, would I, would I be leaving home forever, so to speak, if I went to Maryland? And um, after some long talks, my wife and I knew that kind of it was, it was the best thing for us um, as a family. And so I went there and I worked with Sash for three years. I was his assistant and um, un, unequivocally, undoubtedly, uh, the three best educational years of my um, college career. Um, you know, every, people that know Sasho know how much he's won, right? And how, how successful he's been. Um, obviously he's in the middle of trying to expand uh, the, 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 the calendar on the men's side and how passionate he is. But, you know, one of the things I did with Sash back in 03, 04, we flew out to LA and remember the Fox soccer channel, right? Um, mm -hmm. um, we met with the guys there. There was no college soccer on TV back then, right? And so um, one of the many things, experiences I had with him was flying out there and creating a deal for, remember the college game of the week? There was the men's college yeah. game of the week on Thursday nights. That's all Sash put that together. And, 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 and so people, he's obviously a successful coach, but people also see Sasha's a little crazy, right? He's pretty darn passionate, right? He's pretty fiery on the <laughs> sideline and fiery with his guys. However, my, my, my biggest takeaway in my time with Sash is the humility with which he coaches and interacts with his guys um, um, and, and, and how he, he's willing to stand in front of his team. If, if, if he got a game plan wrong, if he got a substitution wrong, um, if he acted a fool on the sidelines, whatever the case was, he was never too proud or too big to stand in front of his guys and, and apologize and own up to things. Um, tell guys when he doesn't have answers to things, just a, just a human being. Um, and so maniacal and all the things you got to do to be great yet at the same time, um, um, uh, a real human being and a, and a selfless guy in many ways. And then his wife was the, the head coach on the women's side, Shannon Sarofsky, right? Shannon Higgins played for Anson, obviously, went, went four years at UNC, never lost a game at UNC, and um, obviously did a phenomenal job at, at, at Maryland. And then she, she um, retired. Her, her girls were three, six, and nine, and it was, she was starting to feel like, okay, I got I to, gotta, what am I doing in my life here? Am I going to be a mom to these young women, um, young girls, um, or, or am I going to be a full-time coach? And, she chose the path of mom and um, I was fortunate enough to get the job um, on the women's side. And so I was the head coach with the women um, at Maryland for seven years and uh, at Maryland for a total of 10. And then uh, in January of 2012, um, made the move to the University of Tennessee and uh, I've now been here for 10 years. I can't believe it um, and uh, literally my 10 year anniversary was a couple months ago. And uh, now here I am in, uh, 24 years later in the college game coming up on my 25th fall uh, this coming fall. Awesome, awesome. Go ahead, Brian. Yeah, let me ask you quite, you know, kind of on your path there, Brian. 
you're you're one of the very few coaches who've been able to transition out of the men's game into the women's game and, and find immediate success. Your Maryland teams were really good. Um, what, what, looking back, what do you see that as like, what in your personality or in your coaching style helped help that transition and helped you be successful really quickly? Yeah, I think, you know, the, the, the game is, is, is pretty similar. Um, you know, um, so it's, 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 it's not really about, um, you know, X's and O's. Um, I, I think a lot of it's, 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 it's about people. And it's always got to be about the people and um, relationships. And, and I think, you know, I said this, I alluded to it earlier about, you know, how, how, how Sash was with his guys. I think that kind of in some ways plays into coaching a women's team some, some, sometimes, right. They, they, they want to see that you're real. They want to see what you're about. They want, they, they, they want to know the person behind the coach. Um, and, you know, I think it was DeChico, right. Who's who had the fame line, right. Um, kids don't know how much you don't care how much, you know, until they know how much you care. Right. And so um, developing those relationships and being a relationship um, coach first, I think that, that, that helped me um, tremendously. Um, and then, and then still just, you know, we had plenty of guys at Maryland who, um, you know, who, who were phenomenal players and, you know, one of them, Maurice Adu, right. Is now calling the world cup games, right. For, for the world cup qualifiers for Fox soccer. He was, he was one of those guys, but Mo, Mo's still a kid. Mo's still 18, still 19. He, he still had needs just like our women have needs. And so you got to always meet the needs, meet, meet the players where they are, so to speak meet their needs, hear them out, listen to them, know what, you know, kind of know how to push each kid's buttons. And so whether, whether it is, you know, a, a hard-nosed guy or a hard-nosed girl or a sensitive girl or a sensitive guy, you got to know the kids and know people and know how to inspire them. Um, um, and I think along the way, we've, we've kind of ma managed to do that, obviously, uh, no matter what the, what the sex is. Mm -hmm. And speaking of players, so for me, Bunny Shaw, Hannah Wilkinson, arguably the two best players to come through the SEC in the last 10 years, and you had them both, kind of give a little compare contrast, what was it like coaching them, elite players in Division One college soccer, and then 10 minutes to go, if it's 1-1, one, one, and you can only bring on one, which one do you bring on? <laughs> uh, wow, that's, that's a tough one. Well, okay, we'll get to that one. Um, yeah, both both elite and both have had international success. Um, you know, the Hannah Wilkinson story. Um, I'll tell you what, that 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 that's a crazy story in and of itself. So Hannah committed to Maryland, um, sight unseen through um, those of us who remember the word Skype, right? That was uh, uh, <laughs> very much pre pre Zoom. Skype with her and her folks, fall of 2011. She commits sight unseen. Um, we have a, um, um, we schedule late January of 2012, we schedule her official visit um, for Maryland. I pick her and her dad up at the airport at midnight um, at Dulles Airport, uh, bring them, drop them off at the hotel. At four o'clock the next day, I have to let Tennessee know whether or not I'm coming to Tennessee, okay? And I am in the middle of making this decision. I don't know. I'm not going to reschedule or change Hannah's visit. Hannah gets in, 
Um, drop her off at the hotel. Like I said, the next day I called Dave Hart, tell him I'm coming to Tennessee. Um, that next, that right after I did that, I, I grabbed Hannah. She was already with the girls, with our team, grabbed her, grabbed her dad, went to the hotel. I was like, hey guys, I'm leaving. Um, Hannah starts crying, calls her mom back in New Zealand. They're, have, they're totally just a mess, right? They're halfway around the world. We just came to this guy in this school and now this guy's out of here, right? So she went back, actually Duke, Maryland basketball game was that night. I was like, go have a great night with the girls. Please don't tell them. I'm going to tell the team the next morning. The next morning, speaking of crying, I cry for an hour as I tell the Maryland <laughs> girls <laughs> that I'm leaving, right? Um, and Hannah's in that meeting, okay? And we had a whole day planned out for Hannah. Hannah went about her day um, meeting people, meeting professors, all that stuff, typical recruiting stuff. She comes back to my office that night at six o'clock, her and her dad. And they're like, wow, this was awesome. We love Merrill. What a great day. Um, but we want to see Tennessee. The next morning, the three of us, 7 a.m., we got on a flight. We go on an official <laughs> we go, we go on an official visit to Tennessee. We get down here about 9 a.m. That morning, Hannah and I, we meet our new team together. So 24 <laughs> hours ago, we said goodbye to Maryland. And then 24 hours later, we said hello to Tennessee. That's got to be the first and last time that's ever happened in college athletics, right? That's um, unbelievable. So, uh, so I became obviously very connected to her and her family. And she chose obviously to come to Tennessee. And, um, and she, she struggled. H Hannah's battle was, was, was unique because she was really homesick. Um, and I gave her parents a lot of credit, right? You guys have, have dealt with um, international kids and that's a, that's a tough deal. It's tough on the yeah. kids. It's tough on the families. And she wanted to come home. She wanted to go home. She wanted to go home. And her parents, credit to both of her parents, well-educated, both of them are physicians. And they're saying, no, you're not, you're not coming home. You're not coming home. You're, you're staying in Tennessee. You're going to tough it out. You're going to get your degree and it's going to serve you best in life and in your career. And she did it. And she was a phenomenal player for us. Bunny Shaw, um, and like I just said, Han Hannah Wilkinson came from a well-educated, you know, two two doctors as parents. Bunny Shaw grew up in 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 a gang world in in uh, Jamaica. By the time Bunny had gotten here, she had had um, three brothers who had been killed, um, a cousin who had been electrocuted, um, and she had seen a world that obviously. <laughs> I had never seen and could never begin to relate to, right? Um, and so, yet she's a woman, right? Here, here, here she is. You guys both played against her five ten, just un, un, unbelievable. I, I I used to kind of refer to her as the Zion Williamson um, of of women's college soccer. You know, mm -hmm. unfortunately, we haven't seen Zion in in, in a little right. while. But the thing that Zion had was he was a monster. Yet at the same time, he had soft he had soft hands, right? She had soft feet. She's quick, she's fast, she's strong, um, phenomenal brain. Um, and the funny thing about Bunny Shaw is she, she came to us as somewhere between a six defensive center midfielder and a 10. So she had played her whole life and a little bit of center back with Jamaica. And I remember watching her with her, with her junior college team down in Florida. I'm looking at her, I'm like, how is this kid not a forward? Like that, 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 that is, trust me, I'm not very smart. Um, but that is not rocket science. That kid needs to be standing between two center backs because nobody wants to deal with that. And in front of goal, she's, she's just, she's, she's clinical. And uh, so Bunny only here for two seasons and uh, scored, I think some uh, 35 goals 
Um, wow. You know, Brian, it's funny. You asked that, that last question 10 minutes to go. I still remember our game against you guys here in, uh, I think it was 2018, maybe. Yeah. Um, right? 2018. Wow. She had come back from just qualifying from the World Cup, right? And I'm debating, okay, she got back. I'm like, okay, Bunny, what are we doing, right? You're pl- we, we're playing LSU tonight. It's a big game. And what we did with her is very, very intentionally, we played her the last six or seven minutes of the first half, gave her a 15-minute rest at halftime, played her the, la- the first six or seven minutes of the second half, took her off, played her the last seven or eight minutes of regulation, went to overtime, and she scores the game winner in overtime, just rises up everybody and smashes it with her head, right? Um, so you need a goal. Game is on the line. Um, Bunny's, Bunny's pretty darn special. She scored an overtime goal at Mizzou. She, she, she had an overtime goal at home against Mizzou. Um, um, she, she was big time. Actually tied the game right against you guys before you beat us on penalties at the end. Yeah, that was twice tournament. in the same year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you were the last team standing that year. You guys were certainly the last ones standing. So mm-hmm. Bunny, Bunny, phenomenal talent. Now, and now her story now, she is, she is making a lot of money, which is phenomenal for that kid and what it means to her and her mom. She talks about how now she's, she's obviously at Man City. She thinks by the second year within her current contract, she may be able to buy a house for her mom back home who, who is a chicken farmer, right? And, and her dad makes shoes, right? So, so you talk about coming from nothing. Uh, Bunny literally came from nothing but, but, but mom's love. And uh, she's going to try and, uh, as best she can, repay her mom. It's awesome. Okay, my next question. SEC versus ACC. What are the differences? Wow. That's a great question. <laughs> what are you trying to do to me? Um, <laughs> um, I'll tell you what. Uh, obviously, Anson, it all started with Anson and, and UNC and kind of the, 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 the branches kind of have come off of that to, to Duke and UVA and Wake and obviously what, what Mark has done in the last 15 years at Florida State, right? Boston College coming into into the league back in whatever that was, 05, 06. Now Notre Dame kind of, you know, 2012, 13, whatever that was. Talking about every every school I just mentioned, minus maybe Florida State, right? Um, Top 25 academic institutions, top 30 academic institutions. And we coach women's soccer. And most often, right, these kids are elite athletes and they're elite students, right? And obviously, you know, Brian, right, your, your, your new life at Rice, right? That, that's what you're experiencing, right? Um, and so the ACC has the benefit of having the biggest collection of elite academic institutions. And I've always said, and this is not, I, 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 I hope this isn't me being glass half empty and it's me just being honest. I've always felt like it was going to be tough for the SEC to coat to, to catch the ACC because there are just so many elite. Our most elite players are also elite student athletes. And, you know, you look at what Paul's done out at Stanford and even the, U, the UCLA's and the, the USC's we're all, we're talking about all the same kind of kids, right? Mm-hmm. Um, obviously um, Vanderbilt, you know, is, is in a special category being a top 12 or whatever it is, you know, academic institution. Uh, but we have some good schools, right? Georgia's top 15, Florida's top 15. Um, 
you know, so, so the SEC stands apart in that regard. However, right. I, I remember my first, uh, um, road trip league road trip. When I got to Tennessee, um, we were going to Florida and we chartered a plane. <laughs> okay. So, uh, that, that, that was, that, that was a foreign language to me. Um, uh, when I got to, to, to Tennessee, so I stood up the front of the plane, our travel budget at Maryland was $55,000 a year. Okay. So I stood up at the front of the plane that cost us $30,000 round trip to go to Gainesville to play one game. I said, look, you sons of, you know, what's right. <laughs> I hope you guys appreciate what we're doing right now. Right. I've never been on one of these and you know, you guys have probably been on this before. This is my first experience. We better appreciate what's going on here. Cause this is not normal. We are spending $30,000 to go play one soccer game. Okay. So let's appreciate that. And that's our world, right? We are treated like, and, and, and Dave Hart was the AD that hired me. Dave Hart is the AD that hired Mark Krikorian. Um, he got more bang for his buck when he hired Krikorian. Than he hired me. Um, however, however, um, he hired Krikorian. Uh, sorry, he hired, uh, uh, yeah, Krikorian. Krikorian called me. That's how this all kind of came about at Tennessee. He called me and said, hey, Dave Hart is looking for a soccer coach at Tennessee. Um, you know, and, and I'll tell you what, he made me feel like Florida State was a soccer school. And that really resonated with me because um, we were pretty good at Maryland. Um, and uh, I think at times maybe it went a little bit unnoticed. And, um, you know, our kids probably, you know, deserve to be a little bit treated better treated than they were. And so, um, you know, uh, back to your, I'm giving you a long answer, Matt, but we're, we're, we're all treated like gold in this league, right? Mm -hmm. Our kids are treated like gold and it's not normal. And uh, so whether it's the charter jet or the nutritionist or the sports psychologist or whatever, we look every recruit in the eye and we tell them, you're going to have every single thing you need to be the highest level athlete you'd like to be. Absolutely. Very good. Right. Yeah, that you just signed the extension, Brian. Talk about how, in your career, contract negotiations have changed from your mm. from your first jobs to now. Mm. Um, yeah, my my first negotiation went a little bit like this. Here's well, what I didn't say about the Maryland job was when I got the Maryland job, there were about twenty women who turned the job down before they even <laughs> <laughs> were willing to talk to me. Okay. So the, so the, so the negotiation went a like, little bit like this. All right, fine. You can have the job, take the job. <laughs> Here's what you're getting paid. Um, and I said, you have me at a low. Um, so uh, that's kind of how that went. And, and, and really, you know, it's, it, 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 what's interesting is, 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 you know, you can't take these jobs for granted and you never know when a team or a career may go south right? Um, there's a reason why, um, you know, sometimes people don't last in this business, right? It's, it's, it's hard to stick around, right? It's not easy. And um, so I've always kind of, I, I, I've never really cared about the money. I, I, um, it, it's been about the years, right? Now said that when I, I did get a significant raise when I came here, um, but I did, I did turn this job down before I said, Yes, um, we had a good thing going at Maryland, and then uh, I said no, and Dave Hart called back a week or two later, and 
kind of sweeten the pot a little bit more and for both myself and my assistants. And we were so wanted here that it kind of got to the point where we couldn't say no. And so my wife and I um, made the move. Um, and then here, when I've been here, when I moved here, my twins were 10 and my younger one was eight. And kind of my goal was, all right, I, get my, I gotta get my kids out of high school, right? I, I, that, those are the things you think about, right? When you have families. And uh, so it was all about just, can I, can I keep, can we keep it going here to where I can not have to uproot my kids and my family again? And, um, and we managed to do that. And, uh, and then this past winter, you know, we, we obviously had a successful fall, um, winning, winning the, the, the conference tournament and get into the sweet 16. And we have a new athletic director here. He's been here 14 months and, um, it's pretty aggressive. And um, he came to us, the, you know, two days after our season ended, actually came to us two days after the SEC championship and said, look, we want to renew you. And we want to, and I, and I still had, after this fall, I still had two years left on my contract, but um, he's being aggressive with all coaches that, 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 that are having success and they don't want you to get to, you know, one or two years left. They want, they, they, they want to renew you now. And they said, look, this is, this is what you did. You did well in the league. And uh, this is where you finished in the league. And we want to take care of you in the right way. And uh, so here's an additional five years. And um, so they, they, these guys are showing confidence in us and um, want to do the things that, that um, we need to do to continue to be successful. Um, you guys have obviously been on our field. Um, um, if you stand on one of our touchlines, and you look across to the other touchline, it's kind of like, uh, like, kind of like Knoxville. It's pretty mountainous. Um, so we've got about a 1975 uh, old school crown in the middle of our field. And our athletic director finally, you know, bucked up after just one fall here, he came down to one of our practices and was kind of like, what's this about? And we're like, yeah, we've been talking about it for years and um, we're getting a new million dollar field um, starting next month. Um, we're going to take the crown out and, um, he's like, if it's going to help you in recruiting and help you continue to win, then we're going to do it. Um, which again, it's not normal, right? But it's uh, support for women's athletics and support for our program. So these guys have been aggressive and it's the kind of department you want to continue to work in. Right, cool. Perfect. So you just, you answered my last question, but I'm going to get you this one. So uh, obviously you're a big time recruiter. There, there's no question about the players you've got at, at Maryland and now the players you've been able to get at Tennessee. So what, in your opinion, is keys to success from a recruiting standpoint? Um, I think first you got to know the kind of kid that you want to um, bring to your school so that you can play the way you want to play, right? Um, obviously, the couple kids you guys have mentioned have, have been goal scorers, right? Um, <laughs> you, you, you can't score, you can't win, um, you know, and that's no, no matter the sport, right? talking about basketball we're talking about the importance of quarterbacks in football it's all the same right you need goal scorers so I think we've done a pretty good job in that regard first of all always having kids that can put the ball in the back of the net and if you can't put the ball in the back of the net you truly you have no chance and you guys have all been there right um where you you feel good about your your opportunities to get a goal on a day and then other days you're like okay but certain kids injured certain kids not doing it and now you're just kind of having to protect yourself and come, come up with ways to, to, to find a way to eke a win, 
Um, so first and foremost, we've been pretty aggressive in recruiting attacking players, recruiting good athletes. So those are those are those kind of have been first and foremost in in kind of what I look for. Um, but then after that, it's it's relationships um, and it's um, getting to know kids, getting to know their families, and then and then and then being lucky. You know, we had a kid. I don't know if you remember the name Shadea Yinde. Um, she played for us in Maryland. She she was a big time goal scorer. You know, she, we were recruiting her in 2007. She was a consistent U17 national team player. Her and her family came in to watch our game against Miami. And uh, in that game, one of our players, Molly Jureska, um, got hurt, hurt her knee. We thought she had torn her ACL. Turns out she hadn't. But I, I shortened my post-game post meeting with Sade and her family because I was so worried about Molly and I wanted to see what, what happened with Molly and tend to Molly and all that stuff. And I felt badly about that meeting, but it turns out like that, that's why Sade's parents sent Sade to Maryland um, because I didn't have time for them after the game because I was so worried about Molly and, 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 and what her status was. Right. And so I got lucky there. Right. Um, felt like I was blowing off a kid and willing to lose a kid but I got lucky because it sent the message to the parents that I was, I was going to be that worried about um, her kid and, 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 and her health. Right. And so I think at the end of the day, and this is how we, we deal with our, our, our players, right. Parents can't call us about playing time. Um, but if they're ever worried about their kids' academics or their own, their kids' health and well-being, our phones are on all the time. And at the end of the day, that's all we want for our kids is to know that they're happy and know that they're healthy and that, that, that they're doing okay in school. So I think it's, it's, it's that relation, relationship piece. And then within all of it, it's the reality is it's the grind, right? You got to be willing and to, to grind and never stop recruiting and because you never know when you're going to get lucky and you never know when you're going to, you know, have to just outwork someone else um, in order to get a kid and show that kid a little bit of extra love that at the end of the day means something um, when she's making her decision. That's great. All right. Last one. I'm going to get you out on this one. Um, obviously, you've had a very consistent staff, right, the, the whole time you've been there and, and, you know, just a little bit of change here and there. Um, all male staff, um, yep. you know, talk to us just uh, briefly about roles and responsibilities and, and, and how that's worked for you. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, Joe Kurt has, he's, he's our, he's our, um, you know, most tenured coach here. He's been here now 15 years, um, was an assistant for Ange Kelly for, for five years. And, um, when I came he, down he on should my go, he's going straight to heaven. He dealt five years with Ange and 10 years with you. He is going straight to heaven. God One bless him. No joke. million percent. <laughs> One million percent. Um, yeah. So I, you know, came down here and, and met with Joe and, uh, you know, first and foremost knew that he was um, uh, a worker and knew that he was selfless and knew that the current players loved him. Right. And so those three categories, right. Selfless guy, hard worker, the kids love them, checked a lot of boxes there and, 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 and knew that I wanted to keep them. Um, you know, John was with me for, I think five or six years in Maryland. And, uh, he's now been with me six years here. And, um, so the three of us, 
the two of them have really kind of gotten on the, especially the last two or three years have developed a close relationship with, which I love. Right. And I think sometimes, um, you know, have, having assistant coaches that can kind of be partners, right. Have each other when they need each other. Certainly they needed each other this past fall after I got thrown out at Arkansas and they needed to coach the game, the following game against Auburn, they needed each other. Um, but they've been, they've been, they've been great. And um, Joe obviously is our goalkeeper coach. John um, um, handles all of our scouting reports is a, is a real big thing for him. Um, he handles our back line mostly. I deal with our attacking stuff. Well, we've changed over the years. There were years where John did our attacking stuff and Joe had both our back line and our goalkeepers. And I kind of oversaw all of it. Um, we kind of revisit stuff each year, you know, um, kind of dependent upon kind of, what do we want? What are we feeling like? I think we're all pretty capable of different, all, all different aspects. It's just, you know, what, 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 what are we feeling in any kind of given time? You know, I think John has developed a real great rapport these last couple of years with, with our backs and with our back, including our six or our back five, back six, Joe, um, you know, Again, in terms of mixing stuff up, last week Joe said I want to do some crossing stuff with the wide players. I'm like, beautiful, you take them, right? And so I took our, I, I, he took our wide players, I took our attacking mids and our forwards, and did some stuff to goal. And John took our back. So I think our kids really see us as three guys that can kind of do anything. Minus I'm not taking the goalkeepers. John's not taking the goalkeepers. <laughs> but out, outside of that, we really um, kind of. Uh, kind of mix and match a little bit in terms of team video when we do stuff John like I said John does all of our scouting reports he, he did that at Maryland and he's done that ever since he got here and he does a phenomenal job with it um, when we do team video and we we do stuff collectively as a group um, I tend to take that most um, so that I can kind of get the overall message to the team coming out of any certain game um, and then, and then beyond that, the little, the little video kind of just becomes which individuals and which lines we're working with at any given time. Love it. Well, I will say that um, when you guys, I think you guys, do you come here this year? Whenever, whenever, yeah, you come here this year. John's not going to have a chair because the chair that he broke at a and that I had to sit and I fell down, that, that's going to cost him. He's going to have to stay in the whole game. I'll tell you so. <laughs> I tell you what, we, we, we debated whether or not they intentionally set you up because I think so. The, John, John might have had to get treatment on his back. The, how hard he thrusted that thing against <laughs> the stadium at AM. I mean, that's the chair didn't stand a chance. So, uh, yeah. seeing nice. the video of you fall back, that was pretty yeah. special. Yeah, 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 no, no. So, he's going to pay for that. He's not, he's yeah. standing as there. He should. As yeah, he absolutely. Should. As he should. All right, Brian, thanks so much for coming on College Talking Asian. Excellent. Appreciate your transparency and your candor and, and um, like you have on, really appreciate it. Um, we'll see you soon. I'm sure. Well, I, I appreciate you guys having me on and you guys have done a, a phenomenal job and Brian haven't really had a chance to tell you this, but th this show has been great. It's been great for college soccer. First episode I listened to was I was in quarantine back in September of 2020. Um, so my wife and uh, son had COVID and I did unfortunately miss our first game that fall. Um, but uh, listen to the inaugural show and um, it's a real market for it. I think you guys do a, a, a terrific job and Brian, we miss you in the league, of course, but happy for you and your success. And 
I don't miss him at all. I listen yeah, to him still. enough, Brian. You know what I'm saying? I don't miss him at all. Actually, um, you know what? While I have the two of you together, yeah. right? I've kind of wanted to say this for 10 years now, okay? Two, I didn't know. I, I think it actually might have been the you, Brian, right? This is my first Brian Lee, Matt, Mott, and understanding your relationship. We were at, it was the morning of our game at Ole Miss, fall of 12. And so, and I hit you up, Brian. I was like, hey, Brian, what do you got for me? We're about to play at Ole Miss today. And you said, mm, that's my best friend. I can't tell you. <laughs> and I was like, huh? What? <laughs> and, but so then I, in my head, I'm like, okay, can you ever call me for uh, help in a game? There's no way I'm freaking telling you a thing, man. <laughs> that's great. That's no. great. So Matt, he might've done that. I'm sure he did that to a lot of coaches. He better have. He better yeah. have. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, more importantly, Matt better have been doing it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> then I called Matt and he said the same thing. Fair question. Fair question. All, All right, guys. man. Well, thanks so thanks much. So much. Appreciate yep. Appreciate it. Right, All right, Brian. Thanks. See you. All right, Brian. Let's keep it rolling. That was good. I thought that was good. fantastic. Yeah, so very transparent. Interesting. interesting with it's amazing the Wilkinson and Bunny Shaw, huh? The different backgrounds. Oh yeah, we do. And that, that, right? we talk about life changing. The Hannah Wilkinson story—that's the first time I'd heard that. Me too. Recruiting story. What a story! A couple of days, one way or the other, and maybe everything. I thought I thought she was there at Tennessee, and then he took over. Like yeah. I thought, Angie brought her in. Yeah, obviously not. It's interesting. Okay, let's get on. We got to keep moving. Um, all right, Power Five. You ready? Feeling good about it? I'm feeling good about my leisure activities. <laughs> i can't wait to see how how similar these are i'm sure okay here we go your number five is my number five leisure activity is a nice early morning run i like the crisp air even if it's a little dark wake up first thing throw on a little coffee have a quick one mug of coffee and have a nice 30 40 minute run you can't be serious running is a leisure activity it is a leisure. It settles the body, settles it the body. It doesn't. It's painful. I've never seen anybody run, maybe besides you, that looks like they're enjoying it, like it's leisure. They look like they're in god-awful pain. I know when I ran back in the day, I haven't run in a long time, but when I used to run, uh, it was awful. Indeed. I hated every second of it. How can that be leisure? Yeah, no, no. I, I'm not running like 120s. It's not like I'm. No, 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 just a just a jog. It's just a nice. You runners, that makes no sense to me. That's that's perfect. Well, let me tell you what my number five is. (laughs) My number five is ping pong. Oh, who doesn't love a nice game of ping pong? Oh boy, I wanted. No, it did not. It was my number six. Oh, I'll say this: it's my best sport. You know, growing up, I played. I played soccer. Obviously, I played basketball. Uh, I played one one year of baseball. That was a disaster. Um, obviously I love to golf and so on and so forth, but ping pong is my best sport. Well, love ping pong. I think we've talked before Dean, fantastic basketball player. Uh, you know, all those things, Matt recreational sports. Yes. Team. Yes. Very true. Very true. Ping very pong, true. golf. Yes. Darts. yes. Sure. That's yep. coming on your list. All right. Here you go. Your number four. My number four is a nice bike ride. Oh, for God's sake. Bike ride on a beautiful day, maybe to go eat some lunch. I like a destination when I'm riding a bike. I like instead of taking my car, you know what? I'm going to ride a bike maybe, you know, 30 minutes, eat some lunch, ride my bike home. That sounds awful. 
I'm sorry. It sounds awful to me. So uh, you, 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 what kind of bike are we talking? Mountain bike, road bike? What, what no, we... no, 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 no. This is like one of the big no. seats. This is like, uh, what do they call them? It's just like a, a regular cruiser, beach a cruiser? cruiser, like a beach cruiser. Yes. Still like I'm, I'm doing that. I'm 30 minutes. You oh, go yeah. 30 minutes to eat lunch. So you're going to get there. You're all sweating and nasty. You eat lunch. You're full. Now you got to drive 30 minutes back on your bike. Oh, yeah. Sometimes to the grocery store, if I'm just getting a couple bags, I put them in my little basket in the front. I ride my, basket, <laughs> ride my bike home. That is that is absolutely not. No Smiling chance. Of my, way, I mean, that's the Smiling same, same thing. I, I get on the Peloton. It's a workout. It's awful. It kills me. I push myself. Oh, Brian. All right. My number four is water sports. Boating. Uh, like to, I like to boat, like to ride jet skis, anything motorized, but not 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 too much swimming. I like to swim, but I don't call that leisure either. I call that work. I like to I like to lounge around in the pool. Maybe that's leisure. Anything with water, water sports, boating. That's my number four. Matt, I, and I'm sure right now, running through all the the downloaders' mind is what kind of bathing suit we wearing? Are you in a wee <laughs> bikini? Are you in surfer shorts? What what are you? What's your? Yeah, you know, uh, I, I do I, like a nice. I do like a name a nice swim shirt. I do okay. like a nice swim I, shirt. I was you thinking know. like Union Jack weenie bikini bathing suit. No, no, please, no. Brian. I, why would I do that to myself or anyone else? <laughs> all right, you're number three. All right, my number three. This might. This might tweak your fancy. A nice Netflix binge, if I find a good show. You know, the, yeah, that's not bad. Yeah, F1. that's a good one. I, I didn't have that on my list, but that's not bad. That's not bad. It's, that is a good leisure activity. I agree with that. Tore through the second season of F1 or whatever number season, the new season, yeah, season of four, F1 in a, season four, in a night and a half. It was awesome. Did you really? Wow, I did. I will say this to anyone out there listening that watches Netflix, F1, the Formula One Drive to Survive series is fantastic. I know most of you are coaches, That a lot of you are coaches that listen. Um, if you haven't put it in, put it in. You'll get addicted, and it is great. If you don't know anything about Formula One, it doesn't matter. It actually makes it better, I think. But you start to know the racers and the drivers and, and the, the expertise and the amount of high-level performers just in the cars and with the people and the running, it's it's amazing. It's it's awesome. So I'm I, with you there. I had no interest in F1 until I watched yep. that show. Now yep. I'm watching like Saturday qualifying. Yeah, absolutely. It's yep. unbelievable. It really is. It's fantastic. All right, my number three is different than that. Is out sitting by the fire, campfire, mm -hmm. kicking back, feet up, little music playing, fire popping and smacking. Maybe Matt. throwing some s'mores, whatever. But sitting out by the fire no, place or. What's that? A little music in the background. Yeah, yeah, that's very leisurely. I love it. Love, especially when it's a little cool out, a little cool air. It's fantastic. I noticed the theme of, of most <laughs> of yours involve a seat. Leisure, Ryan, leisure. leisure. Yes. All right. Your number four. My number, we counting down? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, your number, sorry, your number two. That's right. My bad. Your number two. My number two is a nice game of cornhole. Yeah, I mean, so listen, I, I'm okay with cornhole. It's fine. But it, if you ever played horseshoes, it's so much better than cornhole. So oh, much no, better. No, 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 no. The clang, clang, clang of the horseshoes hitting the metal metal pole yeah, is that, way better, Brian. Way yeah, that's, better. That's the upstate New York and you speak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Love there. horseshoes. Yeah. The rest it's of us heavy. Uh, bean bags flipped over to cornhole. It's beautiful. A little childish, Brian. A little childish. Oh, it's nice. Competitive while you're being leisurely. 
Yeah, no, it's not bad. I, I don't hate it, but it's not great. I'd much rather horseshoes. All right. My number two, this is a good one. This is good. My number two, grilling. Oh. Out back, backyard, grilling, grilling up maybe ribs, maybe burgers, maybe dogs, maybe pork shoulder, brisket, you name it. Any kind of grilling, little veggies, even if you, I know you'd like some veggies, I do some do veggies, like but just grilling back there. You know, you got the, the, maybe the TV on, the games on, you're grilling with your buddies, your family, whatever. Grilling is my number two. That's a good one. I remember when you once spent like two days prepping for the Ole Miss softball versus soccer coach grill off. Really <laughs> That's well true. Time. Golf. It was golf, but yeah, close. Yep. Golf, yeah. Golf. A golf coach. Yeah. 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 You didn't spend that much time on your game against Tennessee that fall. <laughs> grill off had your full attention for two days. <laughs> <laughs> that was during quarantine, Bill Grill off. Oh, God. All right. And your number one, Coach Lee, number right, one, number leisure one activity. Is- Something I do almost every day for a good hour or two, the elliptical. Love oh, shut I get, up. I get my iPad out. I have a beautiful view. Oh, where I, I can look over Rice, look over Houston out the window. I get the internet going. I return some emails. Nice early morning elliptical. Can't beat it. Low stress on my body. Makes me feel good, Matt. Okay. Okay. Let's just dissect this a little bit. Your number one leisure activity in your life is to get on the elliptical machine it is if and if i don't oh do it, my I god like the heebie-jeebies I can't, I can't i, I can't, can't function i can't we are so different it's not funny i i look at the i look at the elliptical machine i start sweating anxiety rises like nothing good comes from the sight of an elliptical machine let alone getting on the damn thing for, oh, that's awful. You know, my number one is oh, my number one, Brian, golfing. Oh. Golfing is the number one leisure activity for Matt Ma. If I have, if when I am most happy when I'm driving towards the golf course, knowing that I'm going to get to play golf. And it's, it's been great. My son's gotten into it. It's my oldest son. So we get to go out and play, but I have buddies that I play with and golfing is by far the number one leisure activity from Matt Mott. It is not the friggin' elliptical machine. Shoot me now if that's what I look forward to. Based on your other four, that's basically running a marathon compared to your other <laughs> four leisure activities. Walking in and All out right, of the park. let's go through them. Five through one. Give me your leisure activities, Coach Lee. Well, a nice little jog is number five. Unbelievable. A nice, a nice bike ride, number four. Some Netflix binging, number three. A good quality game of cornhole, number two. <laughs> and number one, wake up, cup of coffee, hit the elliptical, read up on some things, start of a great day. Oh, all I'm, right. I'm so relaxed even just listing those five things. It's <laughs> down my heart rate. It's beautiful. Here are my five. A nice game of ping pong. Any kind of water sport, jet ski, boating, swimming, you know, snorkeling, any anything water, water sport-wise. Um, Sitting by the fire is my number three. My feet up, kick back, enjoying it. Number two is, of course, grilling. I love to grill. I love to make food for people, not enjoy eating. And then my last one is, is golfing, probably the top leisure activity in the entire world, except, except if you like the elliptical machine. So let me ask you this, Brian. You wake up in the morning and, and someone calls you and says, hey, Brian, um, you want to go play golf or you want to go jump on the elliptical? You're picking the elliptical. I'm trying to do both. I'll just get up earlier so I can do the elliptical, then go. 
that's really the. Uh, but if you, all right, all right, do you, would you rather, oh no, your elliptical is number one. So you'd rather do the elliptical than go for your little run or your little bike ride. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. This is definitely, this is why if people that don't know us, if you could see us on the Zoom, you would know why my five or my five and your five or your five. Without question. Yeah. Anyway. Well, the worst right. thing that comes is I think you're going to win this power five. I, do. I think I am. I've I think I am. I, I feel very confident that most yeah. people will agree with my five are better than your five, as your number one is riding is running on the elliptical. You're gonna all right. Let's keep moving. We gotta get this wrapped up. Um, I'm gonna lose it twice because all I can envision is you in your Union Jack Winnie bikini <laughs> at the barbecue. Now I'm not gonna be able right. to tonight. I'll be up right. at two a.m. I don't know why I don't know why you keep making uh, um, body shaming jokes. Anyway, okay. Uh, what are you looking forward to this week? Oh man, we finished our spring season. You know, our twenty hours yeah. done. Last game yeah. was on Sunday, so we're winding down into eight hours. It's it's a little more casual for the kids. I always enjoy that time. It's relaxed. And then uh, you know we're heading toward May, Matt, which nowadays is college coaches only kind of downtime. Yeah, it's kind of crazy that in the. Uh... That and that and the um um uh I'll spit this out soon. That and the um, um dead, period. dead period. Thank you. I yeah. can get that out. Right. And then uh, yeah, same thing. We're still in training. We're still getting after it. I'm really happy with the team. Got some games coming up, so that'll be good. All right, great show, Brian. Thanks, Brian Pensky, for joining us. Um, thank you to. Uh, um, all of, of um, Robbie Church and yourself been a great episode. We'll get it. We'll uh, look forward to talking to you. Maybe a couple of weeks. We'll see what happens. Um, next time we get out there, we'll let you know. But College Soccer Nation for this Tuesday evening is out.